becomes like a fleeting memory. Whatever you grab just turns to dust. Like eye contact with strangers from the crowded crowd. It's a dream that you can feel. The passing note of the song. What's going on? Let's go to the shores. Cheers to the shores. To the shores. Wow. That was a choppy start. That was a choppy start. But that's kind of where the shores are. You know, it's like you, it's a little choppy. You know. Yeah. It could be a little bit of wind off the off the sea. And <laughs> but there's probably good waves. Good waves. Exactly. Maybe do a little surfing. <laughs> do you ever notice how your Instagram explore page like betrays what you're into? Oh yeah, totally. Yeah. Like I'm super into surfing. Apparently <laughs> I've never surfed, but like I cannot stop watching surfing videos and Instagram knows it. Anyway. Well, I can't tell you how many times I, I absolutely love it. Is this, uh, Phil Collins and Michael Jackson, uh, it's this guy who mixes the two. Do you oh. remember? Oh, I forgot the word. The, Phil Collins and Michael it's Jackson. Like, I can feel it coming in the air tonight. <laughs> yeah. Uh, do you feel it? And then, yeah. But it just goes back and forth. Like, I keep showing that to you. I get so many, but it's people reacting to it. There's some sort of, I guess, reacting app or something like that where they're watching it and they're like, oh, no way. So I, and every single time I watch it all the way through because I just love when people, because it's the same response I had was like, no way. Like, perfect like totally get you nice yeah that's awesome <laughs> uh, well anyway to the shores to the shores um we wanted to start with this quote from victor frankel tonight and i think it sort of ties into some other things that we've been talking about and a conversation that you and i had before the podcast and we'll see if we can dig for some gold there which we'll find out in this episode that michael failed on his homework <laughs> Oh, right. <laughs> I didn't know what you were talking about at first. Um, yeah. So here's the quote from Victor Frankl. This is from man's search for meaning. Ultimately, man should not ask what the meaning of his life is, but rather recognize that it is he who is asked. In a word, each man is questioned by life and he can only answer to life by answering for his own life to life. He can only respond by being responsible. That quote has just been, I keep coming back to it over and over again because there's something so important there. And it's like, I know what it is and mm -hmm. I can't quite get to it. I don't even think he quite got to it in that quote. Yeah. Um, and maybe it's hard to get to because there's some sort of inversion. Like mm -hmm. we tend to think that there is some meaning that can be told to us. Mm-hmm you might ask what the meaning of life is. And that's, that's what he's speaking to. And he's saying, no, it's you who, who is asked by life. What is the meaning? Hmm. And it's up to you to answer that with your life by living it. Yeah. Well, it definitely makes me think of a parent to, you know, uh, a, like mom, dad, what should I do? And it, yeah, a mom and a dad can dictate what they should do but that's not really, you're not really living a life. It's like, there's something that as a parent, you want your kids to discover for themselves. What is the meaning of life? You mm -hmm. know? So if you think of, um, like a, a God or something like that outside of time and we're like, what is the meaning of life? 
And it's like, well, it's like, I could tell you, but it's, it won't mean the same thing if you don't speak it out loud. It's, it's like, you're more of a, a robot that's repeating what I would tell you is the meaning of life. Hmm. It's like, it's something that has to be embodied and experienced. Almost created mm-hmm. though. Yeah. It isn't as if it sits there waiting to be told. Mm-hmm. It has, and it isn't also quite like it's discovered. Yeah. It's, it seems to me that what Frankl's getting at is that it's, it's, it's an answer that you give by living your life. As you live your life, you create something, you create meaning that ends up being the meaning of life. Well, I don't know. I, I, I kind of go a couple of different ways on this because, because as you know, you and I have been through at least 40 years thereabouts life, uh, amount of life, you mm-hmm. know, and we both know that, creating sort of meaning like there's there's certain things that have more meaning than other things and as you learn that then you 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 begin to discard those things that mean that have less meaning you know um you know whether it be like oh i want to get rich it's like okay well that's a thing but that's not the meaning of life you know that's not something that you can give your life to that but it's at the expense of so many other things so what is, what is, what is meaningful? And as you, as you start to declare and speak forth that meaning, it's almost like then it's, it's, it's repeated back to you and, and you see something that is false and then you speak something else and then it's almost like echoed back to you and you see something else. And so yeah. it's like this refining. So it's almost like a, a play against each other or or not against each other, but with each other. Like, when I think that's exactly why I'm trying to make the distinction that Mm. it isn't as though there is some meaning, which can simply be told. Mm. It has to be played out for it to be meaningful. Cause if Mm. you think about anything in your life, which is meaningful, it's not as if you just sort of, hmm, it's not as if it's some objective thing that you come across. Mm -hmm. Like it's all relational. Oh, gotcha. And a relationship is creative. Mm-hmm. you don't know what a relationship is going to be. Mm-hmm. Maybe that's one way to say it. And another yeah. way to say it is that a relationship creates something new. Mm-hmm. Um, what is that new thing? It's meaningful. Yeah. Yeah. It's something that can't be stagnant too. It's something that you have to continue to pursue and ask questions of right. and create. Or you think about, you think about a, a, a romantic relationship and you might say, if somebody asks you, you know, what does your relationship with your partner mean to you? And you might give some answers like, you know, um, you know, the, the, the stereotypical, she completes me or, mm-hmm. um, he keeps me safe or, you know, you might say all of these things yeah. like that, that your relationship clearly and sort of evidently is. Mm-hmm. But if it were only that, if it, just proceeded that way day after day, that relationship would die. Yeah. It has to be constantly regenerating and creating something new and constantly emerging. Mm -hmm. Like you're constantly discovering what it is that makes that relationship meaningful. Mm -hmm. And then maybe there's two ways to say that one is you're constantly discovering it. The other is you're constantly creating it. 
Mm-hmm. <clears throat> yeah, it definitely seems like there's that that yang yang and paradoxical aspect of kind of both and in this in these situations. It's like when in respect you are speaking it and creating it. In the other respect, it's it's reflecting back to you how accurate you are in your speech and in your in your action. Mm-hmm. So if you're trying to create something that's destructive, sort of reality speaks back to you and says, this is destructive, you know, mm-hmm. whether it be a failed relationship or, uh, you know, a business, you know, you go out of business or, you know, a million other things that are, you thought you communicate something in a certain way and it actually, you didn't communicate <laughs> in a certain way, you know, it's like, yeah. <clears throat> I think that's interesting. The way that you say that is like, how did you put it? The way you speak to it, the the way that you speak back into it. I don't know. It was really profound, but <laughs> <laughs> I don't remember. <laughs> well, let me see if I can say it again. Like there's an idea of whenever you speak into things, into reality, it echoes back to you and, mm. and, and you can see how accurate you are. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, it's, I mean, it's like the laws of physics almost. Well, it goes back to this idea of how do you know if something is good? Mm-hmm. You know it by the evidence. Mm-hmm. You, when you put it into action, what is the result of that? Mm-hmm. Does it move you towards something you desire or does it not? If it does, then what is spoken back to you is something that sounds a lot like like a, a blessing. Mm. you know. And if it doesn't, it sounds uh, like a punishment. Yeah. Cause I mean, it's interesting. We, we make these distinguished distinctions in our language and it's for a reason. Like mm-hmm. there's a lot of people, not a lot of people. There's some people that would say that those are arbitrary words, good and bad. Um, I mean, I would say that that's actually not true. It's like, we've made those distinctions because something is that is good has some sort of result. That's not just good today or tomorrow. It's good. There's something about it that if you reiterated that over time, it produces a better and better result. That if something's bad, if you reiterate that through time, it produces a worse and worse result. So even though something that might be good, like I stole this money and I get all this stuff, Mm -hmm. you know, but if you could, but if you did that, if you reiterate that action over time, at some point, someone's going to come after you for that, you know, whether you stole their money or, or the law or whatever it might be. That's, that's so cool. So what do you mean? Well, they, <laughs> so we talked last episode a lot about time mm. because of any given like decision or interaction or activity, you could ask the question, is this good? Mm. But the answer depends on what sort of time frame you want to apply to it. Oh, good job. So you could say, <clears throat> you know, something is good for me now, mm-hmm. but bad for me later. So, you know, well, is it good? Ultimately, no. Yeah. And the idea that there is the, what is the most good in the longest timeline? Mm-hmm. Like that's a question. I mean, I think most of religion is an attempt at an answer of that. Mm. Like what's the, what's the ultimate good on the ultimate timeline? Yeah. Yeah. If this was carried out through infinity, mm-hmm. what would that look what like? What would it look like? Yeah. That's good. 
you know, and you don't know exactly. Mm -hmm. So you use words like heaven. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Or uh, like we were talking about earlier about, like we, we also say things are angelic or demonic. You know, there's something about that, the language they use that specifically in religious language that better captures that sort of eternal timeline. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, things are either creative or destructive. Mm-hmm. There, there really isn't much neutral. No, it might be neutral. Yeah, again, it goes back to it might be neutral in a very uh, compressed timeline. But right, right. Over over time, that there there's nothing that is neutral. Yeah, every because everything is becoming. Mm-hmm. It's becoming something. Yeah, like today, it might be good for me to sleep in until noon. Mm-hmm. But if I sleep until noon every single day, you know, there's going to be adverse effects yeah. of that. Yeah. However, one day it's like, yeah, that might be good. But tomorrow that's not, that might not be good. And it's like, then you start seeing, it's like, oh, okay, yeah, maybe on Saturdays I sleep until noon. That's good. You know, mm-hmm. I get rest and catch up or whatever, but I can't do that Monday through Friday cause I'll get fired. You know, mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't know if that's, <laughs> that might be a little bit too, uh, uh, pedestrian <laughs> a pedestrian example uh, that came into my mind uh too plain and not, not not as abstract as it needs to be for that um well i've just been um really taken by this adjacent idea to what we're talking about here it's actually i think really well illustrated by another frankel quote which is um what is it Oh, the, the privilege of a lifetime is to become who you truly are. Hmm. And it's such a good, succinct way to say that. And I suspect that that will resonate on some level with anyone who hears it. Mm-hmm. Because we all know that we are somehow more than we are, mm-hmm. which doesn't make quite as much sense. We have this sense, though, that who we are, we are becoming that person. Or at least that there is... Um, there is the potential that we either do or don't like there's a potential that we don't become our true selves. Mm-hmm. You know, I find that it's like it, in that, in that example, what came to my mind was that it'd be difficult for a young person to really answer that question. Like, you know, to become who you are. Well, there's so much potential when you're young, like there's, well, just, I mean, not infinite potential, but let's just say like less than infinite potential, <laughs> you know, there's, there's some things that are out of your reach. We've, we've talked about this before. Like I, I won't be an NBA player, just genetics or whatever it might be, you know? Um, but as you, as you walk through life and you make decisions, those, those potentials start to become less and less. So you start to kind of narrow your focus and as you get into your 30s and 40s and 50s and 60s, that potential has somewhat narrowed as time as time passes. And so it's almost like you you couldn't really even understand who you are until that until you're like dying breath, right? Because at that point you have you've kind of walked walked it out and chose between potential futures. And that you can see the result of those potential futures acted out. And in, in each choice that, that brings a more limited, limited amount of choices. And so it's funny because it's like, 
there's an aspect of there really is no limit because there's almost infinite amount of potentials at every moment, but there's also fewer, uh, limit, fewer, 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 infinities. fewer infinities to choose yeah. from as you, as you go through life. It's kind of a, it's kind of a mind fuck actually. It's like, but, but it's, it's just true. You know I mean? But the potentials, there's so much potential at, at every moment, at every stage of life, but there is a definitely a narrowing of potentiality at the same time. Mm. Yeah, so you are at every moment <clears throat> simultaneously spending something, mm-hmm. but also stepping into something, some number of infinite possibilities. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and there's a cost to that. So <laughs> that's a very, in my mind, I'm picturing you know this line that starts branching out. Mm-hmm. And as you go through your life, you were pointing out to me earlier that that we say um, oh, yeah. of attention mm-hmm. that you pay it. You know, yeah. if somebody says to pay attention. Um, it's actually a cost that you incur. Mm-hmm. You know, at the very minimum, an opportunity cost. And so, whatever is behind you, whatever number of infinite possibilities that were not chosen, mm-hmm. that somehow collapsed into the line of your past based upon your choice, mm. you paid a great cost for that. Yeah. An infinite cost in a certain way. Mm-hmm. And then you stand here in the, the infinite potential of the present moment, having paid this cost to tell, well, to tell life who it is that you are. Mm-hmm. And so <laughs> what is this picture painting? You know, you, you, you stand there and you say something so silly, like, what is the meaning of life? Like, you are a, so, like, as I paint that picture, I just think you're like a, um, almost a god in a certain respect. Interesting. Like, do you see what you just did? You took an infinite number of infinite potentials and with the power of your attention and your will collapsed them into a story Hmm. and you're going to keep doing it Mm -hmm. now and in the next second, in the next hour, the next day. Oh, wow. I mean, just, I mean, it's, it's absolutely, it's actually phenomenal. Whenever you're, when you said that you're collapsing all these infinite potentials into a Mm storyline, which is actually is, which is fascinating in and of itself because there's a storyline that you're following consciously but then there's also this uh, unconscious story that you're you don't even know you're participating in, and that those choices have actually drawn your unconscious along the timeline. So I, what I mean in, the, in this instance is sort of, you know, you choose to live in a certain city or something like that. Well, you might have chosen to live in this city for maybe uh, you're wanting to get out of California and, <laughs> and, you know, it's like high taxes or something like that, you know, but you chose Austin. Well, why did you choose Austin? Well, there was something exciting about Austin and you don't really know what that is, but, you know, there's might be some things in your unconscious that is drawing you to that. Why Austin and not Flagstaff, Arizona or Nashville or, mm-hmm. you know, Timbuktu or whatever. And, um, so there's, there's sort of things that we also discover when we choose and, and 
and collapse those infinite possibilities into a storyline. Like there's a storyline that we can tell presently. And then there's a storyline that we can look back and almost fill in the gaps as far as like, Oh, I came to Austin because uh, I mean, I came to Austin because my, uh, I got a job here and we were going to go to San Luis Obispo, but I got a job. And so we came here, you know, Hmm. like that was kind of weird, you know, but, uh, but you can look back and start telling the story different, start filling in some of the gaps of like, Um, how you got here, why you got here, um, things you didn't know or understand at the time. Well, as, as we're unpacking this, it makes something like, um, well, cause back to your point, like there's, cause we just laid out this idea that you are, that you have an infinite number of infinite potentials in front of you Mm -hmm. and yet you're never going to be a pro basketball player. Mm -hmm. Right. But what does that matter in the face of, Mm an infinite of infinites. <laughs> it reminds me, it, 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 it makes me think like, this is, I think why the whole intersectionality thing is so silly to me hmm. or that anybody would say, well, I can't, uh, that anybody would complain about what they can or what they can't do because of their sort of life circumstances. Mm-hmm. And that's going to sound really um, like cold and, like not understanding of me, mm-hmm. but let me give me just the opportunity to try to flesh that idea out. So it reminds me of this quote from Chesterton. I just pulled it up. He said, um, <clears throat> keeping one woman is a small price to pay for seeing one woman to complain that I could only be married once was like complaining that I could only be born once. It was incommiserate with the terrible excitement of which one was talking. It showed not an exaggerated sensibility to sex, but a curious insensibility to it. So it's like the idea that you could be married to and have sex with a woman is a possibility of infinite proportion. Mm -hmm. And to complain that you could only have one is like wildly insensible. Mm Mm-hmm. It shows an insensibility to what it is that you're even talking about. So to say, well, I'm, I'm, um, I've, I've been sorely taken from and stolen from by life because I can't be a pro basketball player, Hmm. you know, completely ignores the fact that you are this being with an infinite potential in front of you. Oh, and the fact that it doesn't include being a basketball player is just sort of whiny of you. Like you have this superpower of being able to collapse infinity into reality. This is a creative power mm-hmm. and sort of like to complain that that doesn't include pro basketball is like somebody complaining that they can only have sex with one woman when they're married. It's like, well then you don't understand who that woman is. Mm-hmm. You're being like take another look at what it is that you have because that eclipses the silly idea that you can't have others. Well, I think that that kind of points to the idea that as, 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 as well as there's infinite potentials, there's also infinite, um, unpotentials. What's the word for that? I don't know. Non-potentials? <laughs> Non-potentials. D-potentials? Yeah. We'll just go with that. The things that could not be, 
you know, uh, and that might be limited to a time frame. you know, like as of right now, I could not go buy a Lambo, you know? <laughs> well, so I could focus on that. Like the, the, what is not within the realm of possibility today, or I could look at what is possible, which would today. be sort of to fixate on the past. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Like to say, um, I'm upset that things haven't gone differently mm-hmm. is to fixate on the past and not say, and not realize that you have the opportunity at every moment to change that story. Mm. Just like you had the opportunity to change it in the first place, but mm-hmm. you didn't, you, you, you exercised your divine conscious superpower to collapse infinity into a story and you don't like the story. Mm-hmm. You know, well, good thing that you have that superpower and you can move into the future, move into the future. And yeah, yeah. of course there are ways that you can't, mm-hmm. there are now, there are now ways that you can't move into the future. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Sorry. Because the past, you don't get this, you don't get this, but you still have this infinite number of options. Yeah. It's interesting too, because it could be a, um, sort of something happened to you that limited your possibilities, you know, whether it be, um, losing a limb or, uh, you know, abuse of some sort, there may have some, some possible, some things that are externally limiting a possibility, you know, of course. And it could be something that is uh, more of a mindset that, that kind of limits your possibilities. But at some point you have to come to that place where, you see the potentials of, of your mm-hmm. current situation. Cause it doesn't do any good to, to focus on the past and what, no. what was stolen from you. Right. I mean, I think there's something, there's something healthy about acknowledging it. Like, like that was stolen from me and there's some things that are stolen from you, you know, uh, whether it be a childhood or something like that. Um, but, but you can't you can't live in that disenfranchised place because that limits and that limits the the future possibilities. Again, you're paying attention to what maybe what is uh, what limited your limited limited you f- uh, to where you are now. <clears throat> yeah, I don't know. I think I'm trying to get this part that's like that. There are things that are external that do that have negative effects and consequences and maybe collapse your, your, your possibilities that are not, that were not willfully chosen, Mm -hmm. but were almost chosen for you. I mean, it's also childhood. Well, (laughs) in some ways it's almost though, Mm -hmm. as if like to just try to flesh out more, this Mm -hmm. idea of infinite infinities, Mm -hmm. life is something of a fractal. Yeah. So you might say, well, um, something has limited me. Mm-hmm. but that's just within that one scope. You know, mm-hmm. if you zoom in on what's left, you find a new set of infinities and it doesn't really matter that you've zoomed in hmm. the store, like the picture, um, continues indefinitely in ways that you can't, <clears throat> I'm not saying this very well. It's like we're dancing around something here, but I yeah. think we may, we might get to it here in a little while. I think we should just keep, 
punching at it. Pushing through. <laughs> pushing through. Yeah. yeah. Well, <clears throat> something that came into my mind is this documentary called Valley Uprising about essentially the invention of modern climbing mm-hmm. in Yosemite Valley. Oh, yeah. And it's amazing because um, it was just kind of like this group of hippies that started hanging out camping in Yosemite Valley and they're looking up at these huge walls and thinking, what if we could climb those? And I think when, when somebody first climbed um, El Cap for the first time, it took them like three months to do it. <laughs> and they basically just used ropes and pulled themselves up. Mm-hmm. And that was their idea of climbing. <laughs> and it was like this huge feat and they were famous for it. <clears throat> you know, the, they couldn't have imagined that Alex Honnold would come along one day and do it with no rope uh-huh. and like no boots with like metal blades in them to help you grip. It's like mm-hmm. just hands and feet. Yeah. Could not have imagined it. Mm-mm. So what is it that's in front of you that you think is impossible or that is limited? Except it's not. Okay. Yeah. This thing blows my mind. So yeah. I, I was thinking about this week. So I, I think on the podcast we talked about a few times, like uh, how the ancients saw time as chaos um, and then agriculture, you kind of get into the cyclical time, seeing the seasons and representing the gods. And then sort of like with the monotheistic religions, it's kind of got this linear time. Well, it's fascinating because like you see man's concept of time change over time. And so you also see that change between Newton and, uh, Einstein. Mm-hmm. And so it, it really is interesting what you pay attention to changes the way that you interact with the world around you. So, you know, if, if yeah. so it's what you pay, mm-hmm. you're, you're buying reality mm-hmm. and how you spend your attention depends on the return you get for the cost that you pay. Well, then it makes me think of what are we not paying attention to? Like, mm-hmm. like the, like we, th- we, th- we think that we're limited by, uh, solar, wind, oil, fission, fusion, right? Well, fission and fusion wasn't even, you know, most of those weren't even available till you know, oh, a couple hundred years, years ago. ago. Yeah. 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 So it's like, it's like, wow, it's like over 120 years, <laughs> we've got this whole new energy that's available to us. Well, what are we not paying attention to energy wise? You know, that is something that when someone discovers it, then we're like, oh yeah, of course. And then it becomes everyday. Like you don't think about like, putting gas in your car as some sort of like monumental feat <laughs> that, that is, wow, look at that. I can drive my car. You just go to the gas station, put it in your car and you drive off. You know, it's, it's just like everyday type thing. It's like, even with Elon Musk now that he's, I don't know, was it 30, 40 flights this year or something like that? I mean, it's some ridiculous amount. And once that become normalized, which it which that's something that's really new is being able to launch so many things with the same aircraft over and over again. But again, it's, it's, it's there's something that we marvel at when something is new and um, novel and then it becomes normal, but right. it, it, it almost makes us have to like, well, I think that's what also makes people unique is then they start thinking about and pushing into what is, what is unseen, what is, what is, what is not being paid attention to. I mean, the internet's one of those things, crypto. I mean, there's so many things that we never thought 
was would be possible. Right. <clears throat> so again, like infinite possibilities at every. When I think someone like Elon Musk, the <clears throat> the power that he has is the ability to see past what seem like concrete limitations. Mm-hmm. So I, I, I attended this, um, I think they still happen. It's, it's this morning meetup called creative oh, mornings. Yeah. I get the email. Yeah. No. yeah, yeah. Um, I attended one and it was, the talk was by this guy. I'm blanking on his name. He's involved. He was, I think he was a guy who purchased the first civilian ticket to space from the Russians in like hmm. the early two thousands, mm-hmm. which like before that was not a concept that even existed. Like he made, he wanted to be an astronaut when he was a kid, he grew up in Houston. His dad worked at NASA and like really early on, they told him essentially because of some sort of health thing or whatever, they were like, you, you're never going to be an astronaut. Mm-hmm. And he was just kind of like, <clears throat> screw y'all figured out myself then. And so like he was, he told the story. He was like, step one I decided was I've got to get rich enough in order to have the money to figure out how to solve this problem of going to space, even though they won't let me. And so he went and started this video game company and got rich and then had to get famous enough that he could get essentially like, uh, like, um, a sit down meeting with the Russians Mm -hmm. to try to convince them to get on the craft. Right. Cause they're the only ones going to space at this point. Mm -hmm because NASA doesn't send people to space anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, so he kind of walks through this story and how difficult it was. And he finally accomplished it. Um, Do you know what it, year that was? I don't. Okay. Uh, I'm, I'm trying to see if I can Google his name on the side. Um, <clears throat> but anyways, he said something <clears throat> in that talk. He said, this was like maybe 10 years ago. And he said, everyone sitting in this room will have the opportunity to go to space in your lifetime if you want to. Hmm. And he was like, the first thing that has to happen is we have to figure out how to build reusable spacecraft. Because as it is right now, the way that we go to space would be the equivalent of every time your car runs out of gas, you crush it and throw it in the landfill and then buy a new one. Mm-hmm. And <clears throat> it's, it's such an amazing analogy because it sounds so asinine. Mm-hmm. You know, why would you throw away an entire spacecraft when you could just refill the tank. Yeah. Well, it turns out that's really hard, but Elon Musk and and nobody could accomplish it. But Elon Musk sort of looks at something like that and thinks about it more in the car terminology. And he's like, well, we don't know how to do it now, but obviously there's a way to do it. Mm -hmm. So we're just going to have to figure it out. It's like step one, the rocket's got to land itself. And, you know, and everybody's like, are you kidding me? That's ridiculous. You know, uh, and they try and they fail and they try and they fail and they try and they fail and then they try and it works. And it's like, holy shit, that looks like magic. But it's his ability to say, to see beyond the limitations and say, I'm going to generate the future mm-hmm. out of my own belief in what is possible despite everything telling me it's not. Mm. I mean, that's, that's almost the same idea as taking this, this concept of your future as infinite infinities, as this fractal, that whatever is limiting you, well, you think about it differently, you zoom in the picture, and you still have an infinite number of infinities, mm-hmm. and all of a sudden, now it's possible. Yeah. Well, and that's a great picture. And this is the, the creative, generative force that you have mm-hmm. as a divine conscious being 
to buy reality with your attention. Mm. I like that. <laughs> what are you smiling at? That's just so cool to me. It's blowing my mind. Uh-huh. I don't know if that made any sense. No, I, I, I picked up on it. it was, I like the idea of it's like without zooming in, it does seem like you're, you're limited. It's, it, you're, you're, it's almost like you need, you need to zoom in and see. It's almost like every time that you come to a point where you find yourself limited in some, in some form or fashion, it's like, I, I see that, I see that point of zooming in is, is you start to see, okay, what are the possibilities at the place that I'm at right now? Right. <clears throat> and it seems like that is almost like a reoccurring occurrence, recurring occurrence, uh, that you always will come to a point where you've almost like hit the end of the road, but then it's like, it's a matter of zooming in and then seeing all the possibilities that are, that you could not see at this, at this, uh, sort of like end of the road. It's like, you mm-hmm. need to kind of like look at the spider web that's sort of underneath you and then follow one of those, right. follow one of those lines, you know? And yeah, I don't know. It's, it's I, I like the, I like the picture that you paint with it. Hmm. Yeah. <clears throat> Who's it that said, <clears throat> So what will you do with this one wild and wondrous life? Something like that. Hmm. <clears throat> Have you heard that before? Uh, it sounds familiar. I don't, I don't remember. Okay. <clears throat> but it is true. I mean, there's something about, you know, we do have, and it extends to everyone. And I think that's the, that's the hard thing. I think that's what makes some people really stand out is they, when they're faced with an obstacle, it's almost that they don't see the obstacle. The obstacle is almost an opportunity mm, mm-hmm. to then see possibilities that there were that that were not apparent at the time. Yeah. So it's like every obstacle is actually an, um, is an invitation into inviting more opportunities. You know, more more potentials. Because you you have to you have to shift your gaze. You know, if if you're trying to go. Uh, you know, down a street and it's a, it's a one way street and you, and you hit a, a dead end. It's sort of like, it's like, okay, well, where am I trying to go and how do I get there? And then you take a different road and you kind of run to a place you've never been or seen before. And there's an opportunity there, or you could just sit at the dead end road and just be like, fuck, this happens every time. <laughs> this is stupid. Yeah. Why? Why does this always happen to me? Mm-hmm. And then you could spend your whole life. Yeah doing that at the dead end road, just sitting there talking about how life's unfair and, and what is the reality that you are then purchasing at the cost of your attention? Mm -hmm. It's a shit reality. Cause the reality is, is you're going to hit those dead end roads over and over and over again. But each time you hit a dead end road, it's an opportunity to find a new route. Right. Like rerouting, rerouting. (laughs) Yeah. And in, in, we all know that in the end, it's like when you get to some place that you wanted to be, once mm. you get there, you think, man, if I hadn't, had, if I hadn't hit that dead end, I wouldn't have ever found the right route. Mm-hmm. You know, totally. I mean, that's every love story right there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> it's sort of like, uh, like if I hadn't have like tripped over this thing, I wouldn't have like fallen into this lady and 
we said hi, you know, talking about like, a meet cute, <laughs> yeah, <meet cute>. yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, it pretty much most things come unexpectedly. Yeah. And it's interesting too. This is kind of like is a different aspect of what we're talking about is there's a certain amount of paying attention and there and choice and creative aspects, but there's also a part of in the participation there's also an aspect that are a mystery that you will find things you weren't looking for, but it takes you participating and paying attention to find those things. Cause mm-hmm. you can walk by the very thing that, you know, I love the stories where like the, uh, a serendipity on outside. I just watched that last week and it's like, they sort of walk by each other, you know, mm-hmm. And almost like these near meetings and then they meet and then they, so there's all these sort of like all these circumstances that could have happened where they didn't actually meet and stuff. And, uh, you know, but there's something about paying attention, I think opens you up to the possibilities. And, um, but if you just sit at the dead end road and just complain about how, it's always this way or something like that. Then it's like, <laughs> right. you, you wouldn't even see if someone was, someone else drove up behind you. It was like, Oh, that's a dead end road and turned around and goes over and you're just in there like screaming at the sky. You know, right. <laughs> life's unfair. Why does this happen to me? <laughs> well, to like <clears throat> continue on that analogy and, and pull serendipity back into it. It's like <laughs> they finally meet and that's good. That's why it's a movie. And part of that story is you almost met a hundred times. And you finally did. Mm-hmm. And you could say, like, you could fixate on the fact that you didn't meet that first time and mm-hmm. be frustrated about that. And that's yeah. you sitting in the dead end corner. <clears throat> and in that case, like, if that's your position, your disposition toward life, mm-hmm. in that case, then you never would have been walking on the sidewalk to have almost met, mm-hmm. you know? So you wouldn't end up <clears throat> meeting. Yeah. So you have to go out. You have mm-hmm. to walk. You have to you know, put yourself in the position to, well, to see what you don't see. Mm-hmm. And there's aspect of failing too. I think there's, you know, I, I've heard this people like, I tried that, but it didn't work. <laughs> That's a kid thing too. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's like, yeah, but try again right? and again and again. And there's something about like, you know, a 40 years of life when you see that, yeah, it didn't work the first time didn't work the second time. Well, the third time I learned something different and changed course. And now it worked, you know, it's okay. So back to the Instagram algorithm and the explore page showing you what you're into, whether you like it or not. Uh, Yeah. (laughs) Another thing it's been showing me a ton of lately are these trick shot videos. Do you ever see these? It's it like, They've really gotten uh, sophisticated oh, really? over time. Like it used to just be like people throwing ping pong balls into, you know, cups that mm-hmm. are further and further away or whatever. And now yeah. there's all these crazy things that people do, but I can watch those videos <laughs> like for a limitless amount of time. Uh-huh. And I, I was clicking through some the other day and I was just like really enjoying it. And I noticed myself really enjoying it. And I was like, why is it that I, why is this m- meaningful to me? Mm-hmm. I'm not just wasting time. Like I'm actually smiling. <laughs> Why uh, don't I like this? Uh, and I thought, well, it's because you're seeing something that seems impossible happen. 
Hmm. It's, I mean, it's, it's, it's almost the same reason that we watch sports. Mm -hmm. It's like, there's something deep within us that loves to see a desired goal being, uh, scored essentially. Mm -hmm. We want to see the ball go in the net Mm -hmm. and these trick shot videos. It's like a, it's like a super exaggerated, almost impossible version of that. And so you could say, well, these are stupid because he tried that 300 times Mm -hmm. and then he finally got it. And I'm like, that's why it's amazing because <laughs> it took him 300 times and then it worked. Yeah. And that's why he's screaming after he gets it done. Yeah. Um, so to try and fail, try and fail, try and fail, try, you know, mm-hmm. and then finally you succeed. You have just generated meaning mm-hmm. and you have just told life here. I am. I think it's circus Soleil too. Like mm. the, the feats that those people do yeah. is, is just, mind boggling and it's funny because they they have to up the andy every single time and so you see this amazing performance and you know you might be able to see a performance for another two three years or whatever you know it's like yeah but at some point you're like uh look they do that thing well that's the same thing Uh as if if your if your posited value judgment of your relationship doesn't somehow change Mm. it gets boring it's Mm -hmm. like yeah, I saw that amazing feat yesterday at Cirque du Soleil. It's not amazing anymore. Mm-hmm. Like, wow me, <laughs> you know. Mm-hmm. Entertain and, me. And they do. <laughs> uh-huh. And that's the thing. And that's the creative power that human beings have, mm-hmm. is we can continue to wow. Yeah. It's like, it's, <clears throat> it's what's the greatest good, of, what's the ultimate good on, over the ultimate timeline? Well, we're discovering that. Mm-hmm. How good could we be? we're discovering that or yeah. generating it one of the two. And if you play that out long enough, what do you get? Mm-hmm. Heaven? Yeah. Like, is there any limitation that can't be overcome? I think it's a great question. I mean, cause you do have these certain moments in time where like a Michael Jordan comes along and like, I don't know if anybody has still has, has over has, has anybody really, sort of, uh, not overcome, um, uh, outshone what Michael Jordan did. Like, I, I don't know. I don't, I don't, I hear people like, you know, uh, Colby Bryant or LeBron James or, you know, it's like, but I don't know, maybe it was a, maybe it was a time the zeitgeist of the moment that what he did was so like he jumped three levels ahead. And so that, so just, it was more of the, it was more of the span of what he, of possibilities that he, uh, jumped ahead that made it so amazing where like, I feel like the things that are happening right now are like, Oh, that's so much better. And you could say like, well, he's better than what Michael Jordan was back then. Mm-hmm. But the amount of, of, of right. Relatively, relatively well, the yeah. amount that he jumped forward was like such a drastic. So it almost made that feat even better, even though maybe they're doing the same thing today. You know, does that well, make sense? Yes, it does. But I think, um, one of the most inspiring things about well, about Michael Jordan and why he's still a household name mm-hmm. isn't exactly how good he was. Mm-hmm. It was also partly why he was so good. Mm. Like if you watch that documentary on Netflix, The Last so Dance, good. it's yeah. so good. And the thing that absolutely floored me, and to be honest, I think brought me to tears a couple of times, was realizing that Michael Jackson, sorry, Michael Jordan. <laughs> nice. <laughs> Do you remember? <laughs> Phil Collins. Um, Michael Jordan was not 
like a natural phenom. Mm -hmm. He worked his ass off. Yeah. Like in high school and in college, he was a mediocre player. Mm -hmm. You know, a lot of the people I think that we would say are the best players now i think it's hilarious that you know a lot more about basketball than i do like Not i presently yeah. have no yeah um but i think a lot of the players that like kobe bryant and um lebron james are like sort of these natural talents mm -hmm. but J jordan wasn't mm -hmm. but he made a decision at some point that he was going to be the best and there, you know, the evidence wasn't there that he could do it, mm -hmm. but he decided and he took his infinite infinities and collapsed them into that reality. Mm -hmm. And he really was the best. Yeah. And it was a result of his own decision. Mm -hmm. And that floored me. Like if you could decide to be the best basketball player in the world and then do it, it's like, <laughs> To your point, what are we not paying attention to? Mm -hmm. What do I have the ability to do that I'm not doing simply because I haven't decided to do it? Mm -hmm. Well, there's also limiting of focus. I mean, when you're when you're talking on that level, like you have to have a more like uh, more laser focus. So Michael Jordan knew what he wanted, and he 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 brought everything into that alignment. Like what he paid attention to was with, so if like you're, if you're looking at like a target, you know, it's not four circles in the bullseye. He was looking at the bullseye or maybe even a bullseye within the bullseye. And that was what he was aiming at. So if he got just a little bit outside the bullseye, zoomed in on the fractal. Yeah, exactly. It's like, it's not the 25 bullseye. It's the 50 bullseye, right? You know, it's and and, and had a laser focus. For yeah. That. that laser focus. I mean, so many of the people that I am naturally drawn to, mm -hmm. it's like as a musician, I fell in love with Tom Petty, mm. like pretty young. And it's, it's, it's amazing. I, I was lucky enough to go to a few of his concerts oh, wow. before he died. And, um, I actually saw him like maybe two months before he died. If you go to a Tom Petty concert, the thing that strikes you is it's like, they start playing and it's two hours in <clears throat> and all of a sudden it dawns on you. I know every single one of these songs. Mm. They have not stopped playing hits yeah. for two hours mm -hmm. and there's no <laughs> one in the crowd that isn't singing every word. Uh -huh. And how, how do you accomplish that? Yeah. Well, it's no accident. So there's this, one of my favorite documentaries is of that band. It's called running down a dream. And one thing Tom Petty says in there he's he i think he was kind of like jordan like he decided at some point that he was going to be the best mm -hmm. and he says at some point um something like you know we when we first kind of started getting notoriety getting fame we'd go out on tour and the rest of the guys in the band after the show would go out to the bars and hitting on girls and whatever <clears throat> you know basically like <clears throat> reaping the fruits of our life mm -hmm. and i was just so fixated on writing the best songs that I went back to the hotel room and wrote all night, every night. Hmm. And, you know, and he kind of comments like, yeah, I gave up a lot of fun times, but he also gave us this gift of like this catalog full of mm -hmm. like maybe the penultimate 
American rock and roll. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Which and is it? Okay. I was going to say, it's back to the trick shot thing. Mm-hmm. You know, how many songs did you have to write to where uh, your catalog has 50 hits? Mm-hmm. You know, hundreds, thousands. Yeah. thousands? Uh-huh. And how much time do you have to spend doing that? How many times do you have to fail? Mm-hmm. And you could say that trick shot's stupid because it took you 300 times, so that's not impressive. Mm-hmm. It's like, no, that is impressive. You had to write a thousand songs, but you came out with 50 hits and we all love it so much mm-hmm. that we're going to like get on a plane and fly to another city and stand in line and then go stand around together and sing those words because that's how meaningful they are. Hmm. Because it's, it took, it's like we know this intrinsically. It was a feat. Yeah. And it took, it, it, it a price was paid. Hmm. And the result of that price being paid is this this um this song mm-hmm. which is now a part of our reality i guess one thing i see whenever you when, when you're talking about that is that there's this laser laser like focus but even within that laser like all of a sudden another infinite an infinite possibilities <laughs> open up, to, right. up you know right. and i think that's because i i was also thinking like it's like you know if you know, you want to be the best musician or um, focus in on one aspect of science and go all the way into it. But there's also people who are more macro oriented that have a broader interest. I would say like Elon is maybe like that, but I think their laser focus, they still have the laser laser focus, but they bring it to a, a larger category of, um, of items of, of projects or whatever it might be. But there's, there has to be something that drives you. That is something that, that is sort of that, that laser like focus, even though it might look like you're involved in a lot of different things that are dissimilar, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, but I think that's one thing that I think stands out among most people that I know that are successful, you know, whether with their family, with their job, with their, hobbies or whatever it might be. You know, think of Lex Friedman who his podcast, he's just really laser focused on that. And he's really developed a, uh, a big following and some great guests and stuff like that, but he's worked his ass off for mm-hmm. it, you know, and right. Joe Rogan the same way, you know, so many, he's like comedian, podcaster, MMA fighter or MMA, uh, commentator. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, but, but the, I think the commonality in that is like, there is a laser like focus that those people have right. when they come to those. Well, and sometimes you don't even, you don't really know. It's not, it's not visible to you what that focus is on mm-hmm. because to your point, all of the things that you see the focus being paid to the attention being paid to, they seem dissimilar. Mm-hmm. You don't see a connecting thread. Yeah. The point is that they do. Mm-hmm. And that's why <clears throat> Oh, that's they're really successful. It's almost like, as you can see, if, if you can start putting those things together, the things that you're interested in and that, that draw your attention, it would seem that if you could, if you could start drawing the threads that, that align those things, because it does seem like there's maybe something that unconscious we do that the things that draw our attention, there may be like an unconscious aspect of that, that there are threads that do connect those. And, and the, right. the more that you bring that into your consciousness, the the more those things are actualized. Hmm. It's like drawing from the depths and bring them to the light. And then as that happens more and more and more, 
that those threads start to kind of manifest themselves <clears throat> in reality. And actually your, your reach gets bigger because of that manifestation. Um, <laughs> now I, I'm thinking well, of that. I'm thinking <clears throat> of that review now. Co spiritualist or whatever. <laughs> oh, c- conspiritualist. Conspiritualist. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. As you, so if you're, if you're laser like focused on something, mm-hmm. and you pay your attention to that, mm-hmm. and what you are purchasing is is essentially creating reality mm-hmm. as it moves through you from infinite possible futures into past. Mm-hmm. If you, <clears throat> if what your focus on, if, you're, if what your focus is on is sufficiently grand or broad mm. as it manifests into reality, it's not going to make a lot of sense to people who oh, aren't seeing that vision. Mm-hmm. But the longer you do this, you longer that you play this game, mm-hmm. it starts to become evident because what you see is what has been done. Oh, that's beautiful. So I think Elon's, I've heard him articulate that his purpose is the sustainability of our species. Mm-hmm. And once you see that all of a sudden, it doesn't seem so dissimilar that you would be working on electric cars and space travel and, um, boring, boring, company Neuralink, all of these things. It's Mm -hmm. like, Oh, right. Okay. Under the light of that star, Mm -hmm. all of that doesn't seem dissimilar. It all makes sense, Mm -hmm. but it's not evident just by looking at it. Yeah. Yeah. If you take any one of those individual pieces, you're like, Oh, those are cool things. Like, but yeah, you look at the, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, And you might look at Elon and just be like, yeah, you're just like a curious, unfocused Mm -hmm. guy. Mm -hmm. You just like, messing around with whatever you can because you're a billionaire playboy. Yeah. It's like <laughs> not, a, not even close to the truth. Uh, if you guys haven't, you should go look at the Warren, uh, Warren Buffett, uh, Senator, oh, Senator Warren, the text thread, yeah. not text, thread, the Twitter thread with, uh, Elizabeth Warren and Elon Musk. <laughs> oh, sorry. That's so good. <laughs> I sent it to you on a message. <laughs> um, you were going to read it. <laughs> I was just writing it down so we could add it to the notes. It is really funny because she actually called him a freeloader. Uh, oh, uh, here it is. <clears throat> All right. So uh, Elizabeth Warren says, let's change the rigged, rigged tax code so that the person of the year will actually pay taxes and stop freeloading off of everyone else. Yeah. Just pause on that for a second. <laughs> <laughs> so Elon Musk is times person of the year this year uh-huh. and Warren Senator Warren is saying we need to fix the tax code so that the person of the year stops freeloading on the rest of us. Yeah. Yeah. And who's, who's being paid by all of us is <laughs> she's freeloading off of us. Right. <laughs> this is also hilarious. Uh, but then he responds, uh, and if you opened your eyes for two seconds, you'd realize I'd pay more taxes than any American in history this year, which is like $15 billion. Uh, and there's a lot of people that will comment on that. I was like, of course he should, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Right. But anyways, that you missed the point. Uh, and he says, don't spend it all at once. Oh, wait, you already did. <laughs> it was the same idea of like, you know, like the, some, was it the who or some world health person was like, you know, donate your money to solve the world hunger problem. And he's like, well, yeah, if you, if you make it transparent where you spend the money, I'll do it right now. 
And it's like, that was actually pretty amazing because mm-hmm. they said that Musk could end world hunger. And he basically said, if you can give me a proposal showing me how you're going to do that, I would, I will give you the money. Mm-hmm. And of course they can't. Yeah. Because, because <laughs> as much as you want, as you like wax and philosophize about wanting to do something like that, it's just too complicated. You can't, mm-hmm. you can't write a proposal and, and then execute it and do that. Yeah. Well, maybe you could for a year, but yeah, right. Uh, there's more than one year in a lifetime or <laughs> right. this world. It's like you, he would have to do that infinite amount of times. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It just, yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah, maybe for the same reason that, um, this whole thing, this whole <clears throat> thing that we've been formulating for this whole conversation makes things like, um, well, I used the word intersectionality earlier, but it's like the fact that I am limited in certain respects seems like, uh, like such a silly thing to focus on Mm -hmm. given the vastness of my potential. Um, it's like, that's a similar thing, a, a similar mistake as saying, well, money will solve problems. Hmm. I mean, in the same way that yes, your limitations are real and they have an effect. Yes. Money does solve problems, but it's also not what solves the problem. Hmm. You can't just put money at a problem and expect it to be solved. Yeah. So governments do all the time. <laughs> yeah. <right. laughs> Just are we like, becoming libertarians? Like, I know. I, I feel like sometimes I hear, I hear my the thread of a libertarian in me. And I'm uh-huh. like, which I, I, I get, I get the libertarian. There's, there's definitely some things of libertarianism that, that, that don't hold muster that. Yeah. Maybe I would like to hold muster, but it doesn't in reality work. Mm-hmm. <laughs> or it could completely be, um, bastardized and like police forces and stuff like that in the libertarian perspective. I don't think it would work. I don't think I can be a libertarian just because I don't really understand what one is. <laughs> <laughs> totally. I just feel more and more anti-government. <laughs> more like stay out of my business or yeah, something like that. Right. <clears throat> like the tax video I showed you today. <laughs> oh, of the kid the playing kid. Monopoly. That was good. So good. <laughs> he's crying and his mom's asking him what's wrong. And he's like, taxes. <laughs> yeah. It's the worst part of the game. It's the worst part of the game. Yeah. She's like, it's just a game. No, it's not. <laughs> yeah. Monopoly. That game will ruin relationships. I'll uh-huh. tell you what. Oh yeah. It starts out fun and then everyone's angry at each other. But <laughs> <laughs> it's all fun in games till it, uh-huh. everyone hates each other. Mm-hmm. All right. Yeah. I don't know if we, did we come to anything in that area? It's, it's sort of kind of wide No, open. but I had a great time. That's it too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Maybe just like a, a little recap. Um, yeah. It's like what you, what you pay attention to um, opens up a whole nother realm of infinite possibilities and that it's important to pay attention to something and to, to allow those possibilities to open up to you. I think that's kind of a thread in that don't be the dead, dead end guy or girl or person. <laughs> don't be the dead end person. Don't be the dead end person that just screams at the sky and is angry about the dead end. It's like everyone has a dead end and some people's dead ends are definitely worse than your dead ends. 
So we hit a dead end. There's multiple infinite possibilities. And, yeah, and yet even the worst dead end still contains an infinite number of possibilities. Mm-hmm. Yeah. This has felt a little bit new agey. <laughs> <laughs> I think we're living up to our spiritualist thing. We're conspiritualists. Conspiritualists. Yeah. <laughs> well, well, I feel dirty just saying that word. <laughs> all right. Cheers. Cheers. Thanks for coming out to the shores, guys. Yeah. Love you <laughs> all. Fun. Bye. <laughs>